0: Jesus, thanks for working everything out to our good. This world we live in, our friends, our family, our experiences, but most of all, our salvation that gives us the opportunity to know you, to be led and guided by you, and to be assured of a home in heaven. Thank you. Help us as we learn together here this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. How's everybody doing? Surprised? Yeah. (laughs) Pastor Bruce uh, texted me about 3.45 on Friday and said he was not feeling well. I might need to be ready to preach. And about five minutes after that, he said, go ahead and preach. Uh, He's not feeling well. He's doing better today. He has let me know that he is doing better and uh, expects to be back uh, in the office tomorrow. But he sends his greetings as well as his sympathy. Thanks for laughing. That went over a uh, lot. Mike Conley's in the last service. You know, he laughs like a seal. And I'm so grateful because even bad jokes go over good when he's in the room. It's like, great. But I have this uh, kind of slogan that's come up over the years, hanging out with my friends and my family and stuff. You know, I don't know about you, but I just feel like the grace of God in a very powerful way here, uh, living where we live. It's just amazing. The the beauty and the weather and the Pacific Ocean and everything else, you know, just it's awesome. And so I have this, this thing I say from time to time, actually I say it often when I'm outside, sitting on the patio at Sea Cliff having a coffee or riding my bike um, all over the place and uh, going to the beach, whatever it might be, I'll say stuff to friends and family. I say, dude, we live here, you know, just kind of marveling with gratitude. And a similar feeling comes over me on the weekends at Crosspoint. This is such an awesome church. I don't know. Yeah, that's good. I like it. You know, when uh, Pastor Bruce first got here and we started talking about the future, one of the things that was on our list of doing is, is, you know, the Bible talks about the church operating as a body it's not supposed to be a centralized effort where just the leaders do ministry but we're volunteers where the the, all the members of the body get together and we had our off-site staff meeting on Tuesday and we looked over the summer calendar and my goodness there's so much stuff going on compared to when he got here 11 years ago Uh, 12 years ago 12 Uh, and it's so much of it's volunteer-led And then we have these awesome energetic services. We have people who are burdened for the gospel getting into people's lives. We have people who are actively discipling one another in small groups and one-on-one and other settings. We have service opportunities going on through our community, some of which you probably don't even know about, and just amazing things are going on. So it struck me last night as we were in here worshiping together that, dude, we live here at Huntington Beach, but Crosspoint, dude, we belong here. Like, I belong to this church. This is an awesome church community. And so I've done it in the last two services. I got a feeling you guys are going to win the uh, volume contest. But I'm going to say, dude, you come back at me with We Belong Here. And uh, I think that would be fun. All right, ready? Dude! We belong here! Yeah, with an exclamation point, like five of them, right? So it's just awesome. And, uh, well, today's going to be a little bit different because Pastor Bruce isn't here, and the notification came through just a little bit late in the afternoon on Friday. So your bulletin insert has his title on there, but it's blank, cross it out, put my name, put the passage we're going to look at, that's fine. And we won't have slides, so you're really going to have to pay attention today. That's the one and only slide. That's it. So uh, that's it. But this is a great church to belong to, and we are so grateful when... uh, for the great people that make up this church, and so sad when they move away. And so we're losing a family we're a little bummed about, and I think they're here, Jared and Allie, are you guys around, Cook? Hey, whoa, over there, yeah. Do you mind just stand up real quick, just real quick? I'm not gonna have you come up here, you wanna come up? Oh, let's have them up, okay, come on. So this is just, this is the cooks, and they're just awesome, and they work for Campus Crusade. They do a campus ministry for college, no, sorry, you're going to have to go right there. Front and center, right in front of everybody, in the spotlight. Thank you very much. And so they work with Campus Crusade, and while they've been here in Orange County, Jared was sharing with me, they've been doing kind of a more administrative role, and they want to get a more hands-on role, Is so that's still true. Yep, see? And they're going, so they're leaving. They got a new post. And we're very sad about it. But they're in ministry. They're doing amazing things on college campuses. And listen, you hear it all the time. It's in the news. It's in the world. It's in the church. It's both. People are whining, complaining about the millennial generation. I want you to know something. The millennial generation isn't any more broken than any other generation. They're just broken in a different way. And they need guidance. They need truth. They need love. And... These guys are here to pour out on them, Um, and so we just want to, if you don't mind, stand up, and if you will covenant with us to pray for the uh, Cook family now and even into the future, where you're standing, just kind of reach your hand out toward them while we pray. Jesus, I thank you for Jared and Allie and their hearts. It's awesome to see people who pour out into others according to their calling and especially in a tough region. And it's not about where they're going, it's about who they are called to work with. We thank you for that. Bless them, empower them, give them wisdom beyond their understanding. Help help them to crack the code of being able to be not only heard, but listened to and to transform lives of kids who are confused beyond belief with too many messages that are counter-truth. Use them. Bless them as they transition. Those are hard times to move. They're hard on you emotionally. They're hard on you physically. Bless them with a good church and with lots of friends and support, and just do a great work from them. When we hear reports, we will rejoice, and we thank you for the good work you're going to do in their lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Bless you guys, man. Gonna miss you. See ya. Take care of yeah. ya. So, uh, that millennial crowd, I get to work with them lately. Uh, on Thursday nights, we Tomoko and I went in to uh, try and help out with the college young adult ministry uh, here at Cross Point. And uh, when we first went in there, we took some surveys through the fall and tried to figure out what what questions were maybe being asked and that we could answer uh, through some Bible study. And not that all the questions centered around this, but enough did that it seemed worth going into. And that was this idea of just basic Bible doctrine. And Bible doctrine, the word doctrine means teaching. It's the basics of what makes up our faith. The foundations of our faith would be Christian doctrine. And so we started looking at those things. And we started out with looking at can we trust the Bible? Is it a trustworthy source? And after a couple studies, uh, some biblical inputs, a lot of scientific, historic, and uh, even philosophical input about what the Bible, uh, whether or not the Bible is trustworthy, we determined that it was. And uh, maybe that's a question for you. I hope that today, as we speak from the Bible, you could receive it as a trustworthy source. If that's a question you've had, and if you want uh, better information and some, you know, you have questions and it's it's hard for you to uh, see the Bible as truth or trustworthy, you just have good, honest human questions. I'd love to talk to you about that. Please call or email me. But so we saw that in there, from from. discovering that the Bible is a trustworthy source, we went on to a next important doctrinal question that was how can you know God exists? And we studied that for a couple of weeks. And again, both from the Bible and from science and from history and from philosophy, we set forth some really good proofs for the fact that God exists. Um, And that was a good time. A natural question from some of the kids came up out of that, that if God exists and he's a loving and good God, why is there suffering? That question gets asked all the time. And so we looked at that for a couple weeks and it was really good. The last lesson I taught in there kind of really impacted my life. And I I was hopeful that it impacted the kids. It may have, it may not have. I don't know. But just, and so on a short notice, what I wanted, what I did was I took that message and put it into a sermon. There's some background, though, and, and, and I want to get into that here in a minute. But have you ever thought about what it means if Jesus is truly and fully God? I mean, if what he says, what he taught, what he directs, what he commands in the Bible is there, how much vitality is in that information if Jesus really is God? I mean, it changes everything. It changes everything because he doesn't just speak into eternity, and believe me, it changes that. But he speaks into our lives, the lives we are living on this earth when it comes to relationships, when it comes to activity, when it comes to morality. He speaks into those things, and if he's God, it changes everything. If he lived that perfect life like the Bible said he did, And he offers those life-changing instructions about life and money management and marriage and parenting. And if he gave commands to obey, it changes everything. So we set out to prove that Jesus is God from the Bible, and we're going to do that this morning, but in a very small section, and then we're going to get into what changes If Jesus is God. So if you want to get deeper into this, I'm going to give you three chapters to consider, but we're only going to look at a few passages from, a few verses from those chapters. But I thought it was really cool because I love how when the Bible turns out kind of in simplicity and whether that's intentional or not, I don't know. But the fact that you can look at three chapter ones, you don't have to go to a one, a 16, and a 97. You just got to go to chapter one three times in three different books. And the first book is John, uh, the Gospel of John. And in here, what we can see is that John sets forth very clearly in a whole bunch of different ways that Jesus is God. But through all three of these passages, though there is a, a list of things that prove Jesus is God, we're going to just look at the fact that he is creator. Paul, in an argument with some people who worship idols, said, hey, those are just wooden things. They created nothing. They're a created thing. They created nothing. And all through the Bible, whether it's the Psalms, the Gospels, the Epistles, or prophecy, God is set up as creator because only God truly can create. And so being a creator establishes establishes Godhood. Other factors are listed in these chapters, but that's the one we're going to pay attention to for the sake of time. If Jesus created everything, he's God. And so here's what John said in John Chapter 1, verse 1, he said, In the beginning was the Word. It's capitalized because it refers to God. You can cross-reference that to Jesus Christ in verse uh, 14 and 17. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God, in this verse. All things, and you might want to circle or put a box around or highlight all things. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. So everything we see and experience was made by God. We're gonna see in the next passage that it's more than what we see and experience, but at least that much is there, and then if you look at verse 10, it says, he was in the world, and the world was made through him. Jesus is creator. John chapter one sets forth the fact that God, uh, Jesus is God, and one big factor in that is, is that he is creator. What about Colossians one? Flip back there, several dozen pages. To the Epistle of the Colossians, written by Paul. And in verse 15 of chapter 1, talking about Jesus Christ, he says, He is the image of the invisible God. That word image means icon, it means the exact representation. The firstborn of all creation, for by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. Whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. So he's created all things. Look, he created the universe. I've never seen Pluto, the moons of Jupiter. I haven't seen them. Unseen things, the universe. There's galaxies that we don't, unseen. But beyond that, the spirit world. Thrones and dominions. He created the spirit world. He created everything, everything that is, he created it. If it exists, he created it, and he is before all things. And in him, not only did he create them, in him all things hold together. Colossians 1 very clearly sets forth that Jesus is God right next to John 1, and then alongside of those two comes Hebrews 1. Turn back in your Bible from Colossians and look at the first chapter of the book of Hebrews. Isn't it cool that they're all chapter ones? You're, at a, you're with a friend, they don't believe Jesus is God, you just remember John chapter one, cross reference on your own, Colossians one, cross reference on your own, Hebrews one. Easy. Setting forth that Jesus is God. Verse one, long ago, Of his nature, and he had upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become as much superior to angels as the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. And then over to Hebrews 1, verse 10 And you, Lord, speaking of Jesus, the writer of Hebrews says, You, Lord, laid the foundation of the earth in the beginning, and the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you will remain. They will wear out like a garment. And so what we saw in our study that was a lot more lengthy than that, But so this is a summary, is the fact that Jesus is God. And since he is God, he can make statements like he does in John 14, 6. So turn there. We'll be there the rest of the lesson. And this really is, that's introductory stuff leading up to this sermon Jesus changes everything, if he's God. He changes everything about the life you and I live. He changes everything about how anybody lives for all time and forever. A lady at a restaurant, imagine today at you're your at lunch and there's a lady next to you and she wants to substitute a house salad for french fries and the waiter says to her, ma'am, I'm sorry, there are no substitutions. That's our restaurant policy, it says right there on the menu. She protests, she says, well, could you please make an exception? I'd rather have a salad than french fries. You can order a side salad, the waiter says, if you'd like, but we do, not make, we do not make substitutions. She appeals again, and he declines her again, and by now she's a little frustrated, and she asks to see the manager, and the waiter says, ma'am, there's no need to get the manager. I'm the owner of this restaurant. Do any of you have house rules? Stuff like don't turn the heater on unless it's 40 degrees or less. (laughs) Take your shoes off to come into the house. No alcohol in this house. If you have kids, you probably have a curfew. Ours is midnight on the weekend, it's 9.30 during the week when the kids were in high school and junior high at least. Clear your own spot at the table. Dogs, yes. Snakes (laughs) snakes no <laughs> And you enforce those rules based on what authority? My house, my rules. Jesus created everything you see. Everything you don't see, everything you can't perceive, it's all his. And in John 14:6, he says, "I am the way, the truth, the life." No man comes to the Father but through me. The first thing he says is, I am the way. And what he's saying is this, people. My house, my rules. I created you. I'm going to show you the best way to live. I and my Father live forever on in heaven. And I'd like you there with me. I'm going to show you how to get there. I created all of it. I own all of it. It belongs to me. My house, my rules. Without him, nothing exists. The world, how it works, how people live in it, on into eternity, everything came from and belongs to Jesus. And eternity, for sure, is something that he is and should be in charge of. And when it comes to all of these things, he says, I am the way. I'm not a way. I'm not one of many ways. I'm the way. And here's the thing. If he is creator, he's God. And if he's God, it changes everything because as God, he has the authority. He has the exclusive permission to instruct and command our lives. He's God. He's Lord. And if he's God, if Jesus is God, like John 1, Colossians 1, and Hebrews 1 set forth, if he's God, it changes everything, starting with the fact that he has the authority, the right, the permission to inform and command our lives. So what does that mean for you? What does that mean for you? If he's the way, the first thing it means, and this is, there's only going to be one application point per, per the three, is this. Listen to him. When he speaks, pay attention. He's in charge. The lady in the restaurant, the mythical lady in the restaurant, she has a choice. She can listen and cooperate to the owner of the restaurant or she can leave and not participate there. Man, I want to participate with God. I want to participate with the creator. I want to participate with somebody who knows and loves me to the extent that, that God does, according to what the Bible tells me. That's an awesome degree. Listen to him. Pay careful attention. He said, I am the way. Because he's God, number two, Jesus changes what might be or is truth. He said, I am the way and I am the truth. I think that's a little bit hard of a concept to understand, and I don't necessarily think I fully understand it because I think it's an eternal concept, but it is one that we should try to wrap our minds around, the fact that Jesus Christ didn't tell the truth, which he did, but that it's more important to understand that he embodied truth, he represents truth, that there's not a milligram of error or falsehood or flaw in him. He's truth. And if somebody or something, anyone is truth, they're trustworthy. People have called into question whether or not Jesus as God, Jesus even as man, was truth. The thief on the cross, one of the the thieves was protesting that if Jesus is God, he should get us off these crosses. And the other one said, hey, watch it, buddy. We're here because we deserve to be here. He said, we're receiving the due reward of our deeds, but this man has done nothing wrong. The Roman governor, Pilate, who had every reason in the world to find error in Jesus, could find none. He looked into it, and three times he said, hey, why should I crucify this guy? What evil has he done? I found in him no guilt deserving of death. Don't you want to work with, live with, be in church and friendship and relationship with and hang out with people who are trustworthy and do business with people who are trustworthy? How many of you have ever gone to Verizon to get your free phone? Your free phone. You know, the one that comes with the $40 or $50 a month service charge for the next two years until you pay for, I guess, the service charge, I mean your phone, uh, and that just that behavior right there seems a little disingenuous. It seems a little deceitful, and it just makes us wonder: maybe we still do business with Verizon or Sprint or whoever pulls that same action. But it, but that's not Jesus. There's not some hidden agenda. There's not some there's there's not some ploy or some scheme to dupe you. And He's delivered truth to us as God through a credible and trustworthy document called the Bible in a what I would consider a desperate effort to communicate his love, his truth, his salvation to people. He manifests his truth to every single human being. Every single human being sees creation. And behind that creation is a creator God who put it there who crafted it for beauty's sake and for our enjoyment. And then not only does he give us creation, but he gave us himself 33 years of perfect humanity on this earth. Perfect, sinless humanity. If you understand even a little bit about what sin is, what's the, 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 you know, you can think about the worst sin you committed if you want to, but what's the least sin you ever committed in your life? Whatever that is, Jesus didn't even do that. He was sinless. He was perfect. He never told a white lie or any other kind of lie. He was perfect. And when we see him, we don't just see perfection. We see truth. And then out of love and care and concern for people, he perpetuates that truth delivered to you today by people who know and love him, who are trying to share Christ with him, with you. And you got family, they've been knocking on your door, trying to show you that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father but through God for years and years and years. And you wonder, do I need that? Well, look, if it's true, you need it. And he perpetuates it through his church that he put here to be the representation of his character and his love and his ministry in this world. And he's true. And there's competing and complaining and critical messages about Christianity, about Jesus. And here, look, this is what you've got to decide. Are those messages true? Don't buy into them and say, they are. everybody says that. This is what they say. This is what the scientist says. This is what the professor says. This is what the other church says. That's fine. People can say whatever they want, but at the end of the day, it doesn't matter unless it's true. Jesus declares himself to be truth. And if you can find him that way, if Jesus is God and he says he's the truth, here's what you can know. You can trust him. You can trust what he says is true. When he comes to you and says, I am the way, and he declares and he shows and he outlines the way all through scripture, and you wonder, well, that's different than what I've believed. That's different than what I've been taught. That's different than what they're saying over here and over there and over there. What I believe is because Jesus says he's truth, we can trust him. You can trust what he says is true. And so he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but through me. And if Jesus is God... It changes everything because he is the life. It changes your life. If you have a real and genuine faith encounter with Jesus Christ, it changes your life. And not in the moment, for sure in the moment, but for the rest of your life and into eternity. As God, Jesus created life, animals, birds, fish, sun, stars, planets. He created you. And he gave you life. Have you ever thought about what started your heart to beating you ever thought about that? Somebody asked me that question a couple months ago. I'm like, no, never thought about that. And started wondering about it. I mean, did, did, did my mom go to the doctor's office, you know, like six weeks in, and the doctor said, oh, I guess it's time to start the heartbeat and kind of like my lawnmower. Bang, and my heart started. I don't think it went that way, but how did it start? And then think about this. Then he asked me this other question. What keeps it beating every day? You wake up in the morning, your heart's beating. Well, how? Where does oxygen and fruit and vegetables and sun and rain and grass and all the great things that God created for us to enjoy and to sustain our life, where does it come from? It comes from Jesus. He's the creator, and we saw it a couple times, but didn't really emphasize it. He's the sustainer. He gives you life, and whether you like to admit it or not, you need his help to live here no no provision from god to live here means no life and we need god's help to live life here well and because he knows that's true, and he says, I mean, I love this verse, it's John 10, 10. He says, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come that they might have life and have it to the fullest. I mean, God speaks into our life through this word so that we could maximize our lives, so that we could have it to the full, experiencing it the way he created us to experience it, right here, right now. I mean, who creates anything without wanting maximum awesomeness out of it? Ever built an Ikea piece of furniture or a kid's toy? you're up on Christmas Eve, you're building that toy and, and you love your kid, right? And you paid the money and you went to the effort to stand in line to get that one toy and you're putting it together and are you thinking to yourself, I don't need the directions. I know I'm going to mess up but they can just deal with it. No, man, you go, you're, you're striving as best as you can to make that toy perfect because you love the kid. And Jesus is striving as God to speak into humanity and say, hey, look, I created you. Here are the instructions. This is how you have abundant life. This is how you have awesomeness. You have it by living according to my way and my truth. But you need my help. Just like you need help to live here. You need my help. Anyone here, anyone here ever scuba dive? I never have. Mr. Maloney, how how deep? How long? Was about 60, feet. sixty feet underwater in the ocean. Did you need any help? What helps you? A little oxygen tank, right? You he needed help. If he doesn't have the oxygen tank, he goes sixty feet underwater for fifteen or twenty minutes, however long it ended up being. What happens to him? He dies. You know what's interesting? I, Jesus gets, and Christianity gets ripped so bad for the exclusive claim. If, if I lined up 16 different kinds of gas and tanks and said, hey, you need oxygen to survive down there, and you went over there and said, well, what about these other 15? You take any of them, you're dying. To survive in that environment, you need the right kind of help. I see it on the news. I see TV and movies too. People live in space, unless the space station's at a Hollywood studio. (laughs) And they need help to do it, it's a different environment. It's not Earth. Earth, God set up Earth to be the, the, the ideal scenario for humanity to su- survive above water and out of, out of spa- outer space. If you want to survive in water, you need the right kind of help. If you want to survive in space, you need the right kind of help. And if you want to live in heaven, you need the right kind of help. And options abound. Self-determination. Comparative religions to Christianity. Denial of Christian Options abound. But if you want to live in heaven where God is, it's a different environment. It's a God environment. And if you want to live there, you need help. And guess what? God knows that. And so he sent Jesus Christ to give you the right kind of help. So that you could live forever in heaven. So that you could have life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the way. Hey, man, it's my house, my rules. I'm the truth. You can trust me. I am the life. I am the source. I am the creator. I am the sustainer. And I am the perpetuator into eternity of your life if... You receive the right kind of help. And why is Jesus the right kind of help? Because number one, you could not take care of your sin on your own. There's nothing you could do to pay for the offenses that you've done towards God. And neither can I. It says worship God first and foremost in your life in the Ten Commandments. It says do not lie. Do not commit adultery. Jesus ups that and says, hey, if you even look at a woman to lust after her, you've committed adultery. And God has these standards. In your house, it's, If you want to come in here, take your shoes off. And heaven is, if you want to come in here, take your sin off. But you can't do it. So Jesus died on a cross to pay for your sin. And it's the only way when he says, I am the way. he's, He's saying, look, I'm providing the way for you. And it's the only way. There could be 16 different options, but there's only one That is the right one. I'm that way. I'll take care of your sin. I'll pay for that. I did it on a cross. And I won't pay for just a percentage of your sin. I'll pay for all of it. And I won't just pay for a percentage of humanity. I will pay for all of it. He loves you that much. But he didn't just take care of your sin. He took care of death through the resurrection. Everybody dies. We know that, right? And they're going to spend eternity in one of two places, heaven or hell. And to spend eternity in heaven where you belong with God, you need the right kind of help. You need the cross and you need the resurrection. And what the resurrection shows is that Jesus triumphed over death. It's not a problem for him. He's God. And that, that resurrection represents his own personal triumph, but it also represents his strength and power to help you overcome death he's the right kind of help and so if he's the way we need to listen to him if he's the truth we should trust him and if we can trust him we should follow him we should give him our lives it's interesting it's ducks playoff season I saw a lady last night in her car she had like five of those orange flags on her car well, she follows the ducks. There's those guys that paint their face and wear the jersey and spend all kinds of money, stay awake at night the day before a playoff game, lose sleep and sadness when they lose like they did yesterday. It's their life and it's okay, it's fun. It's a little recreational hobby, I'm into it, but you know. But this isn't that. This is following Jesus with your being with the part of you that makes up you that you are saying I believe you're the way I need that you're the truth I trust that you offer me life and I want that thanks for helping me in the right way to get into heaven And so with that in mind, if you wouldn't mind, just bow your heads, close your eyes, and just think with me for a second and reflect. And if you can hear the still small voice of God this morning, I would be really grateful for that. I'm praying that that is the case, especially if you don't know Jesus yet. And man, maybe you've been floundering through trying to figure it out for a long time. I don't know. Or maybe this is all new to you. But if the Spirit of God is working in your heart and mind, listen. Pay attention because if Jesus is God, it changes everything. He has a message for you. Listen up. And he's a trustworthy creator God who is telling you messages of love and reality that you can trust. And the message today is follow me. Come with me. Let me help you get into that environment where you can't live on your own, where you can't live without the right kind of help. I died to pay for your sin. I rose from the dead to triumph over death, and I did that for you. If you're in that room today and you don't know Jesus Christ, and those are kind of like truths that are just kind of, maybe they're just starting to come into your experience and your mind, and and there's something about that that you're interested in. You want to know more about. You want to you want God in your life but you just don't know exactly what that means. Can I pray for you? All you got to do is raise your hand. I'd be happy to pray for you. I'm not going to call you out, and make you stand up or anything. Is there anybody in the room that would like to know let me pray for you about getting the right kind of help for your life and more importantly for your eternity. All right then. Thank you. Anyone else? And then you're a believer. And I'm of this mind that when the word of God goes out and the spirit of God is working in a room like he does in a church, that though they may be different impressions for each one of us even, that God spoke to you. He gave you something that you're pondering and that it's calling a response for you between you and God. Just talk to him right now. Maybe you're like the guy in Mark 9 who said, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. Maybe you have a point of unbelief. Maybe you got a burden and you, just, you, found, you find God lacking somehow and, you, and, and it mystifies you. Maybe you got a struggle or a habit that you need to get the right kind of help with, and you know it's God, but that you've drifted from his truth a little bit. And Jesus, I lift up my friends. We're gathered here this morning and we are so unbelievably human. We're frail, we're confused, we might even be lost. And you come into each and every single heart and mind here this morning, and you say, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life, and no man comes to the Father except through me. And we come now. Speak to our hearts, speak to our minds, and give us the faith and the courage and the strength to respond to you in the exact way you're calling us. And if that's for salvation, please move in that way. If that's for a new understanding of truth, bring that to us. And if that's for stronger faith to follow you wholeheartedly in this world, Help us with that as well. I thank you for just the opportunity to be here and to participate in ministry with so many great people. We worship and we serve and we teach and we give so that you can be known in this world. So thanks for this time already and thanks for this offering we're about to take now. And bless it for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.